Well, we're starting a, a new series today, and I'm, I'm excited about this um, uh, series. Uh, it, we going to be talking today about triumphing over our trials, and uh, I've got to tell you that uh, that's uh, not exactly the topic uh, that I would love to just talk about if I was uh, uh, choosing sermon titles. Uh, some or other, when you uh, decide to go through a book of the Bible, uh, which we're going to be doing, uh, looking at this New Testament book, the book of James, uh, you're faced with a, a different set of um, uh, challenges as a preacher, because you can get a section that uh, you might just not want to preach on. <laughs> you know, or uh, you, you read something and you say, man, this is like, uh, yeah, right, this is difficult. And uh, today we have one of those sections, uh, and uh, it, it falls in the category of wisdom. Uh, I mean, you know, wisdom comes in two different ways. Uh, what I'd like to say in the one sense, it, it's sort of like uh, common sense, uh, of which most people don't seem to have a lot of, like, common sense. And then, you, you know, you have sort of wisdom, which is, you know, this is just like obvious. You know, if you just use common sense, uh, that wisdom would really help you. And then you get uh, what we're going to look at today, uh, which is wisdom. Uh, when you hear it, uh, you recoil from it. Uh, you, you sort of say, no, 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 no. I, I don't agree with you. I don't even want to hear about this. Uh, this is just difficult, uh, and yet it's wisdom because you know it's right. Uh, and you know that later on, maybe not at the time that you're hearing it, but later on, uh, it's good for you. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, you're trying to get your young child to eat vegetables, and they're like, I don't like vegetables, just give me meat. And, you know, as a parent, you say, no, these vegetables are really good for you. And the kid's like, it tastes terrible. You know, and you got this back and forth. And at the time, the, the kids like just, this is not good news. This is not wisdom. This is not nice. But as a parent, you're saying, it is nice. It is wisdom. It is good news. You need to do this. Well, it's one of those type of messages. So uh, if we look at uh, people uh, in the Bible that have uh, really done well in difficult circumstances, and uh, you look at their life, and you'd say, wow, this person was really able to triumph uh, over circumstances. Uh, there are a lot of them in the Bible. Uh, you, I, I want to talk a little bit about Jacob, but uh, you could almost go through the whole Bible. I mean, you could start with Abraham and say, man, he had some tough uh, decisions to make and some tough uh, situations to handle. Likewise with Moses. Uh, Moses had to deal with difficult people and make difficult decisions. Uh, and there was a lots of uh, trials in his life. Uh, there were lots of struggles. And you could go through and look at King David, uh, his life where people are trying to kill him and murder him and he's hiding away in caves. And, you, you know, how does he overcome that? How does he triumph from that? And it doesn't just stop with those. It's also the prophets. You look at you know, the prophets which are living hard lifestyles because of what God has put in their heart, uh, be it Isaiah or Jeremiah or even Jonah, you know, talk about tough trials. Oh, geez, Jonah, that's not exactly what you'd say. Yeah, let me go through what Jonah went through. And in the New Testament as well, you've got uh, the Apostle Paul. Uh, his life was, uh, you know, littered with uh, difficulties and trials 
and yet he triumphed over them. He overcame them. And, uh, you know, he had looked back on his life and just say, that was really an awesome life, and God is good. Uh, you look at Peter. I mean, just the whole Bible. I mean, people have had to deal with real-life circumstances and uh, get through them, and not just, like, get through them miserably, but get through them triumphantly. And, you know, give you, I mean, people in our church, uh, I'm thinking of uh, one of our overseers, Ron Fife. I mean, Ron has been struggling with cancer treatment over the last two months. Uh, where are you, Ron? There he is, handsome Ron at the back. His hair's growing back. He's, he can't... Don't talk to Ron. Don't talk to Ron because his throat's still like whatever. You know, he can't eat and whatever. He's just here. So an engagement in a discussion. He's like just finished his last treatment. Or Ali, you know. I mean, you know, hair falls out and cancer and you're dealing with the treatment and you feel like miserable. But in the midst of all of that, can you get any sense of peace from God, any sense of joy from Christ, any sense of hope in the midst of that. And, you know, both Ali and Ron, I mean, every time we've seen them during their trial, there's a sense of like they're smiling. I mean, I'm not saying that they're thrilled that they're dealing with what they're dealing with. Obviously, they're not. But there is a sense that God is comforting them. And for us, from the outside looking in, it's so encouraging, it's so faith-building to see people going through trials, and yet they still seem to be like rising above them. There's still a sense of triumph. There's still a sense of, I still love Jesus, and I still have hope in Jesus. It's not like I still have. I'm desperately dependent on God, and He's coming through. I mean, that's sort of the, uh, the, the refrain that you get. I mean, sometimes I think, uh, you know, as people, we just tend to quit uh, for what seems to be just the smallest trivial things. I mean, people quit on their marriage. They quit on their work. Uh, they quit on church. I mean, they just quit for the smallest, seemingly smallest reason. And yet other people seem to just be able to endure. They seem to just be able to push through and, and you know, just deal with a lot of difficulties and, and actually get through on the other side. And so we want to look at that today. We want to see what wisdom does the book of James have on this topic? What is he saying, and how can we uh, learn from uh, difficult circumstances? But uh, for those of you that aren't perhaps uh, familiar with uh, Joseph's life in the Old Testament, uh, Joseph is sort of, if I think of all the characters in the Bible, I mean, his life kind of pops up as one of those people that really had a difficult life. Uh, Let me just sort of summarize it this way. Uh, Joseph uh, wasn't too smart when God gave him a dream about his brothers, and he used his loud mouth to tell his brothers this dream. It didn't go well for him. Let's just put it that way. The dream basically was, guys, I'll see all of you just bowing down and worshiping me. Now, I don't know about you and your brothers and sisters, but, you know, that doesn't sort of go well with sibling rivalry. Uh, the fact that it was from God, well, that's a whole separate thing. But the result was his brothers wanted to kill him. I mean, not just like, you annoy me. Not, they physically wanted to kill him. So they threw him in a cistern, a well that had no water in. They were about to kill him uh, when some uh, traders are coming by. And they say, hey, let's just sell him. We'll make money off him. We'll like sell him into uh, slave trade into Egypt, which is what they do. 
Now, you know, Joseph, think what he's thinking. Do you think he's saying, God, what did I actually do wrong? Uh, is he saying, God, where are you? Uh, God, do you really exist? This is like really unfortunate for me. And not only that, you think, okay, that's enough of a trauma for any one person to handle. But you know the rest of the story. He gets into Egypt. He gets bought by the Pharaoh's uh, servant. And he's working, you know, faithfully, well, doing nothing wrong. And then he gets falsely accused of raping, uh, uh, you know, his, the leader's wife. The wife complains and he gets thrown into jail. And it doesn't go well for him in jail either. It's not like he's there for a day or two. I mean, he's there for years. And he's faithful in jail. He's just like serving and everybody looks at him and says, man, you've got such a good attitude. Everybody listens to you in jail. And finally, he comes out of jail, uh, you know, like after a long time in jail. And uh, then only do we start seeing all the good things that came out of his life. I mean, this guy spent a lot of his life, Joseph, uh, just suffering. You know, just like, where would God possibly be in his life? And yet his testimony is, God is good. God is faithful. God is loving, despite all the rest. Uh, and so some of us, you know, we have to grasp, well, how do we experience that? How do we know that God loves us, is for us, despite what we're going through? That, that's the wisdom that we're talking about uh, today as we uh, dig into this section in James. Uh, I, I just say before we kick right in here, you could look at the alternative. Instead of enduring, you just quit. And uh, you might look at many ways that people quit. Uh, you know, some people, it's not an intellectual process. It's not like you're making these decisions. You just quit because life hurts, so you start drinking, or you start checking out, or you just start isolating yourself. Or maybe it's the exact opposite. You just like start overworking because that gives you joy. Uh, but the question that you've got to kind of ask yourself is, how's it going? How are you doing with the choice that you've chosen to help medicate yourself or help you get through your difficult circumstance? Are you doing better as a result of doing it your way? Or would you be better off to endure the difficulties, the trials, and handle it in a godly way. Uh, you know, so often I'll come across people that have just, like, quit on church. And then when you talk to them, it just seems like it's a most sort of small thing or insignificant thing. They've just given up. They've given up on church. I'm just done with that foolishness. I'm, I'm out of here. And you, and you ask him like, a year later, so how's it going with you? Are you, like, more joyful? Uh, are, you just, are you experiencing more peace? Uh, does your spouse just think you're better to get along with? You know, how's it going with you now that you've just checked out on church? And invariably, it's like, wow, yeah, it's, I'm not doing better. I'm actually doing worse. Well, wow, what a surprise. Uh, so let's, uh, let, me just, let me just explain exactly what I hope that you'd get out of this uh, sermon today. I do really want us to have the ability to triumph over our trials and over our troubles. I do want us to have a perspective of faith in Jesus 
that allows our outlook to determine our outcome. You know, can we have an outlook, a faith outlook, that really does shape the outcome, the way we live our lives? Can we, instead of feeling like we're a victim, uh, can we take on a sense of we're the victor, we can overcome? It's not just like, woe is me, I'm just a victim, everything bad. Can, can we adopt a different mindset? And this is not just like our smart thinking. It, it, it's can we have a dependency on Jesus, who's like bigger and smarter and more powerful than what we are, and can that dependency really change our lives? I mean, that's, that's what I'm trying to get at here today. So, uh, Lord, I just <laughs> acknowledge that's uh, sort of an impossible uh, task uh, unless you do it. I, I, I can speak and talk about it for, for forever, uh, but, Lord, unless you put power on my words and uh, speak to each person's life here today, I readily acknowledge that uh, this is a, a difficult topic. And, uh, Lord, I just know that you want to give us hope and joy and peace for the struggles that we're in, the struggles that are coming our way. So, Lord, I, I just ask that you would put power on my preaching. In your name, Jesus. Amen. If you've got a Bible, why don't you open it to the book of James? If you want to follow along with the bulletin insert, pull it out. I'm actually going to be... Uh, looking at a bunch of sermon uh, verses today, you, you might want to just jot one or two of them down if some of them jump out at you because, you know, after the sermon you might say, man, uh, which was that verse? And uh, if you jot it down, you might be able to uh, recall it later. Okay, so why am I hedging and giving lots of airtime to... Uh, not jumping right into the scripture, let's uh, read it, and then you'll see why I've been hedging and saying, yeah, this is, doesn't make me feel all that comfortable Preach, preaching about it. Okay, here it is. Uh, James uh, chapter 1, verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity of great joy. You're all feeling it. You're saying, yes, I love it. This is great joy. I just love these struggles. I mean, it's just total joy. No, look at you. You're miserable. You're like, oh, I'm feeling any joy in this trouble. I'm just troubled by my troubles. That's why I don't want to preach on it. <laughs> but it's in the good book. It's in this good book. So it must be true. Yes, I, I think there's something that we need. You see, this is that kind of wisdom. It's like, I don't want to hear it. It's like medicine. No, it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. But you know what? By golly, I think it just could be helpful. It might just be true. It really might just be wisdom. I, I believe it is, but I have to unpack it. Let me read it again. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity of great joy. For you know that your faith when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So here we have it. We have this idea that we need to experience troubles and uh, somehow or other consider it pre, uh, pure joy uh, when we're experiencing troubles like that. Well, 
it's helpful uh, when somebody says something uh, to consider like, okay, who exactly is saying this? Because you are going to do exactly what I would do when anybody stands up here and starts preaching. Uh, subconsciously, uh, you know, you start asking the question, well, do I believe what I preach? When I'm giving out all these words of wisdom, subconsciously you're saying, do I live what I'm telling you to live? Uh, do I do what I tell you to do? Uh, it's not just, you know, the words that get spoken. And so in this particular case, we say, well, who exactly said this? And uh, what was his life all about? And is there anything instructive about that? And then we realize, well, this is actually Jesus' brother. And you say, wow, James. Uh, I, I mean, here's somebody that should know a thing or two uh, and have something to say. And then there's this other sort of head tilt, like, James, where did he come from? We don't, like, read much about James in the Gospels. Uh, I mean, it's like he's silent. Like, where is this guy? Where's Jesus' brothers? I mean, why don't we hear much about him? And then you get to John chapter 7 in the beginning of that book, and you get a tiny little insight into what his siblings were thinking. And they basically saw Jesus as a know-it-all and, you know, so James is saying to Jesus, look, I mean, if you're going to be famous, don't do it like in secret. I mean, all these miracles you're doing and all the smart words you got, I mean, why are you so secret? Get out there in the public and make yourself famous. That's James. I mean, it's like, wow, I mean, he didn't think much of his brother Jesus. But something happened. And James, like, life was transformed. Yeah, James saw Jesus get crucified. And James saw Jesus get resurrected. And after he'd seen all that, and after his family had gone through all those trials, he said, wait a bit. There's something to this guy. I really think my brother is the Messiah. I mean, finally. I mean, you know what it's like with your brothers and sisters. It's like, okay, you tell me you're the Messiah. It's like Joseph. You know, it's like, who the heck do you think you are? I'm living with you. I mean, that must have been difficult for, for James. I mean, it's difficult for all of us. Uh, you know, James seeing miracles didn't seem to help him believe. James hearing the truth from Jesus didn't seem to make him believe. I mean, each one of us responds to God differently. Uh, James responded by seeing his brother resurrected. I mean, that was like, okay, this is something I'd never seen before. It transformed his life. But the interesting thing is, after Jesus' resurrection, James becomes the pillar of the church. Now, all of a sudden, he's the guy running the church in Jerusalem. He's the guy that the apostle Paul needs to go and check in with. He's the guy that's like the go-to person. I mean, he was also the guy that endured incredible suffering. Uh, it's the church in Jerusalem that was persecuted. And when people are fleeing and Scurrying away, James is staying rock solid. And we say, what happened to you? And then James writes these words that now we can connect with. Wow, okay. So, James, you are talking from experience. Uh, you've got something to say here. So the first uh, uh, point that I want to make, if you're following along in this uh, outline I've made, is, is be ready when troubles come your way, be ready. Uh, 
you know, listen to the language here. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, it's not if troubles come your way. It's when they come. They will come your way. I mean, just think of this last year, 2014. Did you have any troubles last year? I mean, I, I, I think you probably would have had, you know, one or two, like, troubles or difficulties. It's not because you're a bad Christian. It's because you're human. You will have trouble. And because you're a believer in Christ does not exempt you from troubles. And if you have a mindset that you are exempt from all troubles and you're going to have no difficulties, you will be derailed and your faith will be badly jettisoned when your perception is nothing bad will ever go wrong with me because I'm a believer. That's not the promise of Christianity. If your mindset of believing in Christ and following Christ is my life is just going to be so comfortable, uh, you following a different faith. And yet so often, as I just acknowledged, I don't like preaching on these verses. I far prefer preaching the ver- verses that promise prosperity, that promise comfort, that promise peace, and that's also true. But it's a balanced gospel. Uh, the other side is also true, that we will go through hardships. That is the normal human experience. All I'm saying is this. If your faith is like uh, odd, if you, if you can't expect any hardship, when they come, you will hit the rocks. That's, that's the point. So be ready. It's not that unusual. It's not like you such a bad person or that God has forgotten about you or, you know, no, it's just normal life. Let me read this verse, John 16, 33. And this is Jesus speaking. I've told you this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. You know, there's Jesus saying it succinctly. You will have trials, you will have troubles, but take heart. Jesus has overcome this world and we are connected to him and he will help us get through it. That's a biblical uh, way of looking at this. The second point I want to make, if the first one is don't be caught off guard in this first section, the second point I'm trying to make is develop a sense of endurance. I mean, I'm talking about spiritual endurance. Uh, Any of us that have done endurance sports, physical sports, uh, like the Boston Marathon, very sadly, I'm not running the Boston Marathon this year because I didn't qualify, but all my training friends and everybody that I'm running with... uh, well, guess what they were doing this last week? What a shock. They were running. Uh, did you look at the thermometer? Yes, I know you think we're all insane. And I know because I'm not running the Boston Marathon this year, I was just sleeping in my bed. And I just looked at that thermometer. It's like below zero. Yes, it's nice to just sleep in my bed. But all my friends, they're out there training. Why? Because if you're going to develop endurance, you can't let the smallest little speed bump or the little drop in temperature just put your training on hold. It doesn't work that way. You've got to be committed to endure, to go through, to push through. You don't become great at what you do. You don't become a conductor of an opera, uh, you know, because 
you weren't able to learn a lot and push through a lot. Uh, you have to be consistent. You actually have to train and practice uh, when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. That's part of enduring. It's part of getting to where you need to get to. Spiritually, we need to be able to develop uh, the muscle, the, the spiritual faith uh, of being able to endure. And not just like cop out first time we have an argument with somebody or the first time church doesn't go exactly the way we want it to go or, you know, the first time we have some disagreement about something in church or with somebody. Don't let that derail you. Develop endurance. Let me reflect uh, back on Joseph. Uh, After he finished his life of hardship, he was able to say this in Genesis 50:20. He says to his brothers who tried to murder him and sold him into slavery, "You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position, which is in a position of leadership, uh, so I could save the lives of many people." There was a Famine going on, and Joseph was able to provide food. But can you imagine saying, but God intended it all for good? Wow. You know, I'm glad it's him that's saying it, and not me having to just stand up here and say it. Can you imagine, as he reflects back, okay, being in a well, my brothers are trying to kill me. Oh, that's all good. Being in jail and being forgotten about, and people like forgetting their promises. Yep, that's all good. Uh, and that's his testimony, because when he looks back at his life, it starts making sense. He says, okay, God used this. Uh, God developed my personality and my character to become strong in faith, to be uh, an overcomer, to not allow the circumstances uh, to overwhelm me. And likewise, James, as I just mentioned, He uses his position to overcome persecution from the Jews, persecution from Rome, uh, to withstand all the attacks that he had to deal with. Here's another two uh, verses which I think are helpful. Romans 12, 12, Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. Being patient, I mean, when we're in trouble, we don't want to have patience. We just want to get it over with. We want to be done with it. Second Corinthians 4.8, we are pressed on every side by troubles. Apostle Paul. But we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. You see, when Paul says he's, de- he's perplexed, he's not trying to figure out, okay, why is this happening to me? That, that's not the question. He's just able to say, okay, we're doing God's will Lots of bad things are happening to us. We're being beaten. We're being mistreated. We don't have to like try and analyze one for one. Okay, I'm being beaten today because God has abandoned me. No, no. He just, like, I don't fully figure out why I don't see the power of God now, but I do see it tomorrow. He's just saying, I know I live in this tension. God is all-powerful. He's almighty. He can, you know, jump in at any moment and just remove my hardship, but sometimes he doesn't. And Paul's able to live in that tension and say, okay, I'm pressed on all sides, there's troubles, but I'm not crushed. I'm not wiped out. God is much more 
is much more interested in developing your character than what he is developing your comfort. We are far more interested in developing our comfort than what we are in developing our character. For us, it's like, okay, you know, if this will bless me, if it will make life easier for me, if it will help me be more comfortable, I'm all in it. If it's actually going to shape my personality and shape my character and strengthen me, eh, not so much. And yet God just seems to be totally comfortable allowing us, his followers, to go through tremendous difficulties. I mean, you don't watch the Patriots game yesterday afternoon and think, okay, Brady just managed to pull off that fourth quarter because he's had no other experience. He's never failed in the past before. He was just all of a sudden brilliant because, well, he just got brilliant that day. He just prayed and God just gave him brilliance. No, you kind of understand that like, okay, this is a lifelong setup of like trial and error, working under pressure and Finally, now, when he's under pressure, he's able to pull through. We all want to be like wise. We all want to be smart. But we don't all want to go through what it takes to get there. I mean, how many of you would still like to be back as a teenager? You know, for me, it's like, man, I remember my teenage years. I don't want to go back there. Unless I could go back as a teenager with the wisdom that I have now. Then I would like to go back there. That's cool. But given if I can't, uh, I would rather just stay right where I am. Uh, and it's weird the way God has wired us that way. I mean, what's not to like about being a teenager for crying out loud? They've got a great lifestyle. Mom and dad pays for everything. Their worries aren't that great. I mean, they don't even get stressed out about work. I mean, food's always on the table. What's wrong with that? But you remember when you were a teenager. You couldn't, well, if you're like me, I couldn't wait to leave home. I mean, the day I was eligible for my driver's license, I was there. I mean, not the day after, the day of. I mean, I couldn't wait for anything. I mean, just like two years from 15 to 17. Oh, oh gosh, that was like eternity. You know, get me out of this misery. No, I, I, you know, another exam, please. I'm sick of studying for tests. I hate studying for tests. When I get out of high school, I need to graduate. Great. And you get to college. It's like, okay, so you know, more tests and, you know, dealing with debt. And, and then you're worried about you know, each stage of life uh, we have trials. But God is more worried about our character than what he is. At the end of Joseph's trials, and it shaped his character, it was evident to everybody. Pharaoh says this in Genesis 41, 38. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man? So obviously filled with the Spirit of God. In other words, Joseph didn't let his circumstances overcome him. Even though his circumstances were harsh and unfair, it developed his character, and he still was helpful and sunny and bright and wise and had lots of forgiveness in his heart. I mean, it's really amazing. Let's look at this uh, next section. Verse 5, If you need wisdom... Ask your, our generous God, and he will give it to you. Wow, that seems just so easy. If you need wisdom, just ask God, and he'll give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, ooh, here's the hard part. When you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. 
Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. So on the one hand, it just seems so easy. Just ask God. On the other hand, it says, but have faith in God alone. And it's, you know, we live in that tension where it's both. We just ask God and God will help. He will give us what we ask him for. We need to ask him. And, you know, there's no circumstance which is too big or too small to ask God. And we can ask him big things, small things, difficult things, easy things. It seems, though, that often people that are desperate tend to really be serious about asking for God. And people that have, you know, the ability to not be as desperate, either because you're super smart or you're super wealthy or you're super healthy, uh, you, you feel like you can just do it on your own, that you're just super. And yet when that's all taken away from you and you're like desperate, then we really ask. And we ask with a, a sense of like, God, I, I'm desperate, I'm asking you. Uh, and God loves it when we ask him, when we're desperate for him, when we're dependent on him. And when it says we need to have faith in God alone, uh, that's not so easy. Because culturally, uh, we will go along and say, well, I'm going to have faith in God, but also faith in whatever else you want to have faith in. You know, so maybe you put a St. Christopher on your dashboard. Okay, St. Christopher will help me against any crisis, you know, safety and travel. Uh, or maybe it's a star of David. I'll just hang that around my neck. I mean, that'll be like a good luck thing. Or maybe just put a cross of, around your neck, and that'll be a good luck charm. I mean, if I'm wearing a cross, you know, that'll protect me. No, it won't. Uh, if you're putting your faith in the symbol, you've totally missed it. If the symbol's pointing you to Jesus, that's a different story. It's a totally different story. Your faith needs to be in Christ. And if we look at uh, Isaiah... When he was tested in this way, so Isaiah is like, okay, God, uh, we need wisdom here. The enemies are uh, surrounding us. They're trying to kill us. Uh, you know, this is a life and death thing. I'm asking you for safety. This is what it says in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 11. The Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everybody else does. He said, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do. And don't live in dread of what frightens them. Depend on God. He will keep you safe. And then he says, I will wait for the Lord. I will put my hope in him. And then listen to this interesting verse. It says, someone might say to you, let us ask the mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead with their whisperings and mutterings. They will tell us what to do. But shouldn't people of God ask God for guidance? Should the living seek guidance from the dead? Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, well, you know, uh, there's no truth in these mediums or spiritualists, and he doesn't, he doesn't address whether they have power or don't have power or, or accurate or not. Or, that's not the issue. He's saying, put your trust in God. Don't go to these other forms to get information or trust in God, and trust in God alone. There's no whatever. Uh, moving on. Paul says, for when I am weak, I am strong. There's a strange dependency here, uh, 2 Corinthians 12.10. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness. Oh, that's another one of those wonderful verses. Just goes right along with James. Take pleasure in my weakness. I mean, you just like want to throw up. 
no, I don't take pleasure in my weakness. I hate being weak. I hate being humbled. But Paul, like James, has got enough smarts to say, wait a bit. When you've come to the end of yourself and you're totally dependent on God, you're really in a great place. And that's what Paul is mirroring and saying, just like James. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and in the hardships and in the persecutions and in the troubles I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. There's the sense that God is big and awesome and mighty, and when I depend on God, I'm tapping into something that's reliable, dependable, and strong. When I'm just depending on myself, it's over. And sometimes hardships are that reminder to say, no, we can't do it on our own. It's God that's going to get us through, and it's God that's going to be a blessing for us. We need to remember that we can't let circumstances, circumstances make us bitter. We need to allow circumstances to make us better. And if we can say, okay, I don't like this circumstance, I'm not going to get better, I'm going to learn from it so that I can get better, that's the attitude that we need to have. It's like, what do I learn, God, from this circumstance? What do I learn, God, about this difficulty? Lord, what are you saying to me? Not why are you doing it, what do you want me to learn? What are you saying to me, God? That's what God wants us to do. The last point I want to make is be aware that Christ looks at you as his prized possession. Look what it says here in James, in this very section we're looking at, in chapter uh, 1, verse 18. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. So here's the thinking. Uh, it's important for us to realize that God loves each one of us personally, individually, and he knows each one of us. No matter if we're suffering and we're going through hardships and life is difficult, God loves you. And we need to have that mindset, that framework, and that knowing that God really, really loves us. And He's for us and not against us. In Romans 8.35 it says, Can anything separate separate us from the love of Christ? Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger? or threatened with death? And clearly the answer Paul is saying is, no, none of those things say that God has abandoned us. And yet, in our own mindset, again and again, we have the smallest thing come our way. It's like, oh, God has like left me, he's abandoned me, I'm, you know, where are you, God? No, a steadfast, a persistent development of Christ the love of Christ and knowing Christ and circumstances of Christ is that God loves us no matter what our circumstance. When we have the uh, worship team uh, come on up, I want to just summarize what I've said here. Uh, God is asking us in your difficulty, if you're in trials at the moment, uh, think of this. Uh, if you've just gone through trials, uh, and if you haven't, you're going to be going through trials. Be ready when trials come your way. Be wise about how you process the troubles that come your way. Don't accuse God. See them as a way to develop your character. And be aware that Christ really loves you, that you are his uh, prized possession even when you're going through trials. Uh, why don't we stand and uh, we'll have a closing worship song and then we'll have a chance to respond and do some ministry.
Lord Jesus, we want to lean into you. We want to lean into your arms. Lord, we allow you to surround us with your arms of love. Lord, we, we love it. Lord, when we experience your presence and your closeness. But Lord, you've also asked us to develop the ability to endure difficulties and hardship and know that you still love us. But Lord, you've also given us your Holy Spirit to be with us, to strengthen us and to comfort us. And Lord, to experience the real presence of your Spirit's support. And Lord, we thank you for those that are just done a better job than us. We thank you, Lord, for those that have dealt with suffering and cancer treatment and can still smile and still have hope in you. Lord, we know that that just strengthens us. In your name, Jesus. Amen. I want to read this uh, verse to you, John fourteen twenty seven. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Uh, and that's God's promise to you, and that's the hope that he gives us. Uh, we should not be troubled or afraid. So, uh, Ken, why don't you give me the lights there? Uh, let me just uh, say this. If you would like prayer, uh, if there's just like maybe one thing that I've said that just like really stuck in your mind or there's a particular difficulty that you're going through right now, uh, I do encourage you to come forward and allow our prayer team to pray for you. You can stay in your seat and, and just connect with the Lord as well. But the idea is this, we, we ask the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to strengthen us, to stir us, and we ask people to pray for us, to protect us and help us, because we are weak, and we do need help from others. So if that's you, I encourage you to uh, come forward for prayer, and Kevin, if you've got another uh, thought from, for prayer from this morning's prayer, uh, this might resonate with you too, what Kevin might share. Come forward for prayer on this. Uh, this morning there was a, a picture of someone. Uh, the sense was that their their heart was maybe like a um, icicle in a in a cold cave, and uh, but Jesus came into that cave and lit a fire, melted the icicle, and filled a cup and and gave you that cup to refresh you. Um, so maybe there's someone here who feels like your heart, uh, maybe because of trials and troubles, your your heart has grown cold towards God, and I believe Jesus wants to come into that cold place and warm you with his, with his love and encouragement. Uh, secondly, we sang uh, the song about um, creating in me a, a pure heart. Uh, that comes from Psalm 51.10. And um, may, maybe there's someone here today who feels like you've been trying uh, to create that pure heart, and it just hasn't happened. And I just believe the Lord wants to give you hope, and he wants to create that pure heart in you. Maybe because of trials or whatever, He, uh, but he wants to come in there. Um, I'm just going to ask, does anyone feel like that was, either one of those was for you this morning? Anyone have the courage to acknowledge that? Does that resonate with anybody? It's like, okay, so you feel like you're in a cave okay. of icicles and God is distant. And 
Yep. Okay. I saw a couple hands. Yep. Okay. Well, I just want to encourage you to respond to the Lord, and um, if you'd like prayer for anything else, we'd we'd love to pray for you that uh, for that as well. I think it's important that you know when God pulls on our heart and says, well, "That's me," that we like somehow connect with the Lord. It's an invitation from the Lord to say, "I, I, I want to help you. I want to support you." I want to strengthen you. So you can come forward for prayer or any of those things. Our service is over. Uh, bless you guys. Now, we know that there's a life group fair out there. Find a group that you want to connect with and belong to. Uh, go out and find out who's doing what, where they are, what the topics are, and all that sort of thing. They're all out there. The leaders of those groups will be there. Find a group to connect in. Bless you guys. Have a great week.